0: Welcome to the Ministry Story Podcast. This is episode number 26. I'm David Tonin, your host. I would like to have our guest introduce himself, so please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your ministry story.
1: Hey, my name is Greg Atkinson. I am uh, a husband, a father of three kids, and I've been in ministry for 20 years, coming up on my 20-year anniversary this February, and so I served in a number of roles. from worship leader to tech pastor to uh, the director of Worship House Media, a media resource company, to um, consultant. And then most recently, I was the campus pastor at a multi-site church. And now I'm just back speaking, writing, and consulting. And uh, I'm also the editor of Christian Media Magazine, uh, which is something I do part-time. And so i um, trying to stay busy.
0: You are a busy guy. Greg and I had an opportunity. We met a few years ago at a conference. Do you remember what conference that was? This is a test. Uh,
1: National Outreach
0: Commission. That's right. They don't even do that anymore, do they? No. No. Too bad. That was a great conference. I had a chance to go to it twice. And uh, anyway, uh, for for those those of you who want to know a little bit more about what Greg does in the church consulting area, uh, we have episode. I believe that featured you and sort of talking about your secret church shopper episode. Um, do you still do that, Greg? I do. I do still do that. And so what does somebody have to do if they want to consider that process? Uh, you could go to either
1: gregatkinson.com or worshipimpressions.com and, um, get details and get more information and, uh, read about the process. Um, you can email me, Greg at gregatkinson.com, and start a conversation. But I am—I um, am. That's that's one of the main things I'm doing now: is secret shopper visits.
0: Awesome. So we won't spend a lot of time talking about that now, because we have a whole episode dedicated to that. And uh, today I wanted to talk a little bit more about your exciting new book. So you want to tell us a little bit about uh, what the title is and what who the focus is and what the topic is.
1: Yeah, uh the title is Church Leadership Essentials and the subtitle is What Every Pastor Needs to Know. And it was a book that was written written from um, uh just real life experience, 20 years of ministry experience and um it is um it actually just got uh updated on my uh, iPad today. I had um I had been checking it for a while. We had sent in some revisions and some updates. Um I, I had published it through Rayner Publishing, which is a new publishing company. And uh they had made some um changes and revisions. I had made some revisions, some things God laid on my heart that I wanted to change in the book. And um uh Amazon Kindle allows you to go back and retroactively change the book. And so uh I had been checking it every day to see when it would finally update, and today when I pulled it out to look at it, it had updated and so if somebody's watching this and they bought the book months ago or weeks ago, go in and make sure you've updated it or turn your automatic updates on on Amazon and um, uh, for your Kindle settings and um, you'll you'll get um, some new content. but uh, it's just written for any church leader, uh, lay leader, uh, part-time staff, full-time staff, bi-vocational, anybody is uh, involved in church ministry.
0: So there's a lot of books that have been written on leadership. There's been a lot of books written on leadership for pastors and church leaders. Why did you have this passion that you wanted to write a book to this same audience? And what is it that you offer in your book or how is your book different than other ones that are out there perhaps?
1: Well, um, I am, I'm, uh, uh, a, a reader and, I uh, love reading books on leadership. And, um, um I'm a big John Maxwell guy and then all the other leadership books and I just I love reading books on leadership but I had saw a uh a void as far as uh leadership specific just to practical church ministry and practical church leadership and so um I was somebody that um um uh, didn't learn a lot of practical stuff from formal education, from Bible college or seminary. And so I wrote a book um, that would uh speak to people whether they did not have the opportunity to go to school and they they needed to learn some basic leadership essentials, or if they had gone to school, but they never learned um some helpful tools along the way and principles that they don't teach you in textbooks. And so um, I've been speaking at conferences for the last 13 years. I started in the year 2000 speaking at conferences, and um, I actually, uh, this past spring, at the Moody Bible Pastors Conference in Chicago, I got the chance to teach from this book and to teach on these uh, church leadership essentials, and there were people in the class that were all um, long-time pastors in their 50s and 60s and 40s and um, seminary graduates they have uh masters of divinity and um all the degrees on the wall and they were wrestling with stuff in the book and saying how do you do this and this this isn't easy and, and um um uh, how did you do this in your church and so it was just basically i wanted to have a book that uh and i and my answer to them over and over was leadership is not easy leadership is tough and you do have to have thick skin and so Um, It's just a practical uh, how-to book on um, basic things that come up uh, within the course of ministry at a church.
0: Okay, so the genesis of this book, as I understand it, kind of came out of some blog posts that you have written over time. Um, Quite often as I get talking with pastors who are content creators, they They sort of understand and realize that they've written a lot of this stuff, whether it's for a message or for Bible study, or they've done a lot of research. So they put a lot of time into creating content that they're using in their own church. You spent a lot of time creating content that you were using in your blog, and then you used it as sort of the seed, perhaps, of this book, correct?
1: Yes. Uh, What happened was uh, I've written on uh, leadership uh, extensively on my blog, gregatkinson.com, and then for churchleaders.com, that website, and pastors.com. And so I took kind of the best blog posts from churchleaders.com that I'd written, pastors.com, and my own blog. And where I got the idea was uh, Tony Morgan. Tony Morgan has written several books that came out of his blog. Um, and uh, one, one of his books that uh, I, uh, I have in my library is Killing Cockroaches. And it is entirely blog uh, posts and blog excerpts. And so, um, uh, when I saw that he could take a, a whole book full of blog posts and turn it into a printed book, then uh, I got the idea. And by the way, uh, in the next couple of weeks, this uh, book, Church Leadership Essentials, will be available in print form. Right now, it's just uh, ebook, Kindle, Amazon. Um, but uh, it will, it will. There will be a print version in about two to three weeks. Um, hopefully, two weeks. There'll be a print version available. If you, if you're the type like me, and I see behind you in your your shelves that likes to have books on the bookshelf, um, it'll be available in print form. But I, I originally got the idea from Tony Morgan. I was reading. I, I, saw he came out with a new book called Killing Cockroaches. I, I bought it, and I thought. This will be neat." And then uh, when I opened it up and started to read the introduction, I said, Oh man, this is just is blog post from his blog. And I thought it was a genius idea. And so, um, so I kind of still stole the idea.
0: Well, you really do expose yourself to a whole different audience altogether when you do something like that, because there are a lot of people that won't sit there at a computer or at their uh, iPad flipping through blog post after blog post. Or at least not even getting it into some semblance of context. So doing what you're doing and providing it in an ebook format, and also providing it in a in a print format, particularly, is going to expose you know your experience and your writings to a whole new audience, right? That's right. Now, do you have like I, I get a chance to spend a lot of time talking with pastors in the role that I play uh, as part of my career. Would you have any advice on how a pastor or a church can take some of the content that they're creating for sermons and, and such and repurpose that in other ways, kind of like what you've done with your blog posts?
1: Yeah, um, there are there are a lot of pastors that take series that they've done, and um, a series being four to six messages, uh, maybe eight messages. On a certain uh, subject or uh, book of the Bible or passage, and um, they uh, they they've taken those and they've turned those into books where they actually write about it. Um, you see that with uh, Stephen Furtick. You see that with Craig Rochelle. Um, he wrote a book called Alter Ego, and they did a series called Alter Ego. He wrote a, another book called Weird, and he did a series called Weird. And so. A lot of times, uh, what you're going to write as a message can end up being a great book if you come up with your own original series and um, and messages for those series. Those can those messages can turn into chapters and become a, a book on its own.
0: So, from your experience going through the ebook process, this was the second time you went through it, right? Right. So, your experience doing it as an ebook. How would you share your thoughts on that? Was it a hard process? Was it a lot more work than if you had tried to do something from scratch? Or, you know, just share a little bit of your experience because I think a lot of pastors, when they kind of reflect on the, the, the process or the or even the idea of creating a book, they think, "Oh my goodness, that's an awful lot of work." What was your experience? Uh, no, this was a, a very
1: um, uh, very very much easier process than writing an entire book an um, uh, an e-book like this book that I wrote it's a short read you can pick it up and read it in a day it's a very quick read uh, its 20,000 words I have a book coming out next year it's another leadership book it's on the subject of innovation a biblical view of innovation called strange leadership and uh, that's a hundred thousand words and so uh, that that took me years to write, and was a it was six years in the making. It was a very uh, long process of coming up with that book, and so that was kind of my life's work to this point. It's a it's a long long process. Whereas taking blog excerpts or or messages, if you wrote a series for for uh, uh, sermons, uh, taking that and turning it into a twenty thousand word ebook is something very uh reachable, something very doable and um I would encourage people to check it out.
0: So from just as a timeline, from the time you started the process to the time that it was published on Amazon, how long did, w- would you say that took? A couple
1: months, which is a lot shorter than uh years. You know, oh,
0: so. <laughs> there's no doubt. My Prior to the role that I play now in my career, I spent 20 years in publishing, and so I worked with a publishing com- several different publishing companies, and I know that most authors that are writing books, it literally does take years, and then there's that huge gap between the time when you actually, you as the author, finish writing, and it goes into production. That whole process in itself is months. So, yeah. you know, that's where
1: I'm at right now and my my next book is it's in production. It's it's in they're they're doing the layout and design and all that. But um yeah, it's a long process. But doing an ebook was uh was um was a lot quicker and uh, I, I really enjoyed working with this new company Rainer Publishing. Um Tom Rainer who's the president of Lifeway Research, uh Lifeway uh in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, it's his three sons. They have a company. His three sons started Rainer Publishing. And so if you have something that you think would make a good ebook, I would encourage you to reach out to Rainer Publishing and just start a conversation with them and see if it's something that fits well with them, something that they're interested in.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Um, thank you for sharing that, because I think that'll be helpful information to a lot of different pastors who maybe are afraid of taking that initial step, but you're just proving that, you know, it is doable. It isn't exhausting, and it doesn't have to have a really long timeline. So now, you.
1: I will also say I uh, I'm writing two more books with Rainer Publishing, and those are brand new books, straight from scratch, just writing from beginning to end. Um, uh, one book is called Pride, Pain, and the Pastor, and it's on a journey of brokenness and God breaking me of pride and and setting me free from past pain. And so, uh, it's kind of a very personal book. And, uh, that will be, uh, straight from scratch, just writing a brand new book. And then, uh, uh, my next book with Rainer Publishing is called Secrets of the Secret Shopper. And that's where I tell everything that I do when I go into a church and do a secret shopper. I reveal all my secrets of here's what I would look for if I came to your church. And so that way, if you can't afford to pay, to $3,000 to bring me in to consult, you can pay $10 for a book and read all the secrets and see uh, he's going to look at this, he's going to look at this, he's going to look at this and find everything that um, uh, that I would do to make your church more presentable to guests and to reach lost people. And so, um, so I'm looking forward to that. That will also be from scratch, a brand new book that um, I won't be pulling from any blog post or anything like that. It'll be a brand new from scratch book. Awesome. When will that be out? That'll be out at the end of twenty fourteen. Uh my uh book on innovation, Strange Leadership, comes out in the spring of twenty fourteen, and then we'll want to give some time in between the two and so near the end of twenty fourteen. So about a year from now uh will be the next rainer
0: publishing book. I see an opportunity for you and I to do this again in the future. Yeah. So, let's talk a little bit about your book i want I want to know um, if you only had one chapter that you could point your uh, reader to a pastor or a church leader to what is that chapter? So, what is the topic in this book on leadership that you are most passionate about that you think that every pastor needs to know
1: well um I know what my favorite chapter is, but to answer your question, there's a, there's a couple chapters that um are very close to my heart, uh, very special. Um, um ones on being a strategic and intentional leader and an equipper versus a doer. Uh I have a, a very a very big passion about Ephesians four, uh, ministry, equipping the saints, and so um, those chapters are what I get the most um feedback from when I teach this live and um, people uh, asking how can we do this in our church, how can we raise up lay leaders and uh, how can we delegate, how can we empower people. Um, those are very popular chapters and ones that I'm passionate about. My favorite chapter though is the very last chapter of the book and that is Reflections on 20 Years in Ministry. And I just go through and I list 42 um, it just got updated today. It was 41. Now it's 42. Uh, 42, uh, observations that I've noticed in 20 years of ministry. And it's really just, um, things straight from my heart, um, of, of what I have seen over these past two decades and things that I've learned the hard way, things that I've learned that they did not teach me in school and things that, um, could be a help to people if you learn it now, and um, and so that's my favorite chapter. Is the very last chapter. That's why I saved it for last. Reflections on twenty years of ministry.
0: Great. My favorite chapter was chapter twenty-five, and chapter twenty-five is called evangelism. Uh, is yeah, called evangelism or discipleship. Which one is more important? And. This is a subject that's really close to my heart from the role that I play as the chair of the leadership team at our church. I'm not a pastor, but I'm you know a lay leader in that capacity. And it's a church that's very evangelism focused, but also very discipleship focused. And there is a, there is a real uh, tension, in a good way, uh, that every church has with these two topics. And so I wanted you to spend a little time, perhaps today, Uh, addressing that for the church leader and and share some of your thoughts on evangelism versus discipleship
1: yes uh this actually was uh written again uh based out of experience i try to write from the heart and i try to write from lessons that i have learned along the way and i don't pretend to know it all i just share here's what i've learned and so uh going into my last position as a As a pastor uh, the last three years at my church, um, I was uh, extremely, extremely evangelistic, and I still am. I mean, I can't change that. It's who I am. I'm very passionate about evangelism. As I say in the chapter um, in the book that uh, I worked for well over a year on a message on Luke 15, the lost parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the prodigal son— and uh, I just preached that recently at a Christian college, and it's something I'm very passionate about. And so I'm very passionate about evangelism, but uh, I had never been a pastor over a congregation before. And so once I started pastoring a church and dealing with sin and issues and counseling and um, baptizing new believers and seeing these baby Christians growing up in the church— I started seeing more and more the need for um, 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 discipleship. I started seeing the need to um, um, see people mature in Christ. And so um, it wasn't enough to, um, to just get them dunked in a tank, you know, and get them baptized and then send them on their way. We need to disciple these people and see them grow up into Christ and grow into maturity. And so I think I said in the chapter, uh, Matt Chandler, Chandler, the pastor of the Village Church in Dallas, Texas, said um, uh, that the mission of the church is evangelism and discipleship. And that he said it's go and make disciples, not go and make converts. And um, that is something that just really resonated with me. Uh, I felt like um, when I initially started out, it was just going and making converts and trying to baptize as many people as we could. But uh, the more times people called me up saying, can I come meet with you? I have something to talk with you about. And the more counseling I did, and I started realizing all the sin in our church and all the addiction and um, adultery and um, just uh, mess, just junk, just junk and mess and sin in our church, I realized that we needed to be discipling people. And so, um, um, uh, when I was interviewed, I mentioned this in the chapter, uh, when I was interviewed, um, I was asked, are you more of an evangelism guy or a discipleship guy? And the the right answer was you're supposed to say you're an evangelism guy because that's the way the church is, is geared. And, um, now, if I was asked, I would say both and. Um, I'm both evangelism and discipleship, and um, it's just something I, again, learned through dealing with people and dealing with sin and dealing with issues.
0: And I agree with all of that because I've seen the same thing in, in the church that we've been in. Uh, we started from scratch with the sole purpose of reaching a, reaching a community of people that weren't going to church. And so, as we started, we did a good job with the evangelism and getting people to come. And then all of a sudden, we realized we were having people baptized and they were committing their lives to Christ. But then, what do we do with them? And so, our we sort of, sort of as leaders ended up in this panic mode a bit, trying to figure out, okay, well, how how do you do discipleship and what do you do with them and what resources, you know, might you use to help somebody become more mature so that they don't stay in the place where they were when they came out of the baptism tank, but that they begin that journey of freedom and new life in Christ, but growing towards a level of deeper maturity. Have you discovered on you know, on the journey that you've been on as a pastor, have you discovered any resources that you would recommend? Uh, well, uh, I wrote another article. It's not in this book,
1: but I, I wrote it for Exponential. Um, It is a, uh, it it was talking about discipleship is a who, not a what. And, uh, I talk about the journey that at my own church, our whole, uh, discipleship philosophy and process and focus was just small groups. And small groups are great, they're wonderful. There's nothing wrong with small groups. But in this article, discipleship is a who, not a what, I talk about, um, discipleship is daily spending time with Christ and it takes a whole lot of personal initiative of waking up and opening your Bible and spending time in scripture and in the word and in prayer. And the thing about it is, is you have to take ownership. Nobody can do that for you. It's a lesson that I try to instill into my own kids. Uh, My oldest daughter just turned 13. She's a teenager now. And we were driving down the road the other day and I asked her how her spiritual walk was going. And I said, you know, nobody can do it for you. I said, um, mom and dad can't get you closer to God. I said, I said, your relationship with God is between you and him and you. And she told me she was reading her Bible the night before and she was reading in first Corinthians. And I said, that's great. I said, I said, you can always be as close to God as you want to be. And so, um. It's just a lot of, and then we have to change the way we as leaders, um, talk about discipleship in the church. It can't just be, have you joined a small group or, um, um, things like, or, or make sure you listen to the sermon and take notes. You know, it needs to be, uh, are you, are, how's your devotional life? How's your prayer time? How's your Bible reading? Are you, are you in the word daily? And are we giving them resources? Um. My wife, uh, Sunday, as we were leaving our church, she picked up a devotional guide that they had sitting out in the lobby on the table. And uh, I came in last night, and she was um, sitting, uh, laying, or kind of laying on the bed uh, with her Bible and the devotional book, and she had tears in her eyes. And I said, what's wrong? She said, just doing a devotional. And she was moved by this. And it was just a resource that they put into the hands of the people in the church. And so uh, our church was... Giving people devotional tools to use, plus there's all kinds of free things like the u version app from Life Church with uh, Bible reading plans and and things like that that are resources out there. but I think just uh, encouraging people to take personal responsibility and to um, spend time alone with Christ and and work on strengthening their relationship with christ
0: so from a leadership standpoint do you have any thoughts on st- the discipleship process being more strategic or intentional and i know you and i didn't talk about this in advance but it's just something that we've been working through on our end like my pastor has basically been writing and accumulating a, a small group curriculum like there's thousands of small group bible studies and curriculums out there but they our experience, at least, was that they do a really good job of imparting knowledge and maybe even encouraging regular prayer and, and devotional time, but they don't necessarily strategically try to lay a foundation of spiritual growth and development in a new believer or even in someone who's been a believer for 20 years. And so do you have any thoughts on how a church leader can get get the topic of strategic discipleship or intentional discipleship going within their community. Uh
1: it's gotta come from the leadership. It's gotta it's gotta be something that they're passionate about. Again, uh like at my last church, if if you're only passionate about evangelism, then you're always going to be weak in discipleship. And so um if you see the need to disciple people and to go and make disciples, which is what we've been asked to do, is to make disciples if you see that as our mission and as something that we're called to do uh, then you do need to use words like strategy and strategic and intentional and you need to find um uh free uh on ramps for people to um to get uh into a discipleship process and that's that's one of the things uh, I talk about in my next book in a chapter on organization about having a clear defined clearly defined process. Uh, a lot of churches don't have a clearly defined discipleship process and um, you can um, um, you can make it difficult for people to find out how to grow in their in their faith and so I think from uh, the the stage, the platform, the pulpit to uh, announcements to the slides that go on the screens before the services and after the services to what goes in the bulletin, the handout, um, everything in that, the, your website, your communication, the, the weekly newsletter or email blast that goes out, everything that you do, if it's pointing people back to discipleship resources and on ramps of have you read the journey this week? Have you read this passage this week? Have, have, are you on day five of your uh, devotional handout that we gave you at church? You know, you know, having these on ramps to starting discussion to, to encourage people and to spur one another on. But uh, like I said, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to them taking responsibility for their own spiritual life. But they need to hear it championed by the leaders and by people that they see up front and on the stage. We need to champion about it. And so, um, and it's little things. It's a pastor in his message in passing saying, you know, this week when I was doing my devotional, I was thinking blank. And he just, just in passing mentions that he was doing his devotional this week and it plants a little seed. Um, same way. There's a lot of churches where um, a pastor will say this. This is why I love our, our, our small group because in my small group, we talk about blank, and and they they just plant a little seed. That are you in a small group? Are you doing a devotional? And so that's that's a way you can use uh, strategic measures to plant those seeds.
0: I agree, hundred percent. That's an excellent way to talk about the integration of communication around the whole. Uh, philosophy that the church has to embrace towards strategic or intentional discipleship. And before we just leave that topic, I'll I'll leave uh, a link in the show notes to the resource that my pastor is developing, and it's called strategicdiscipleship.com, and he has all the uh, free resources that he's created in PDFs that can be downloaded as Bible studies for use in any church. There's no cost at all, and there's some ideas of how to implement those. There's teacher's notes and student notes. And so uh, if anybody wants to check out those, you can do that at strategicdiscipleship.com. That's great. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Before uh, we kind of wrap up, I wanted to just ask you your thoughts on the role of mentoring that kind of ties in with the strategic discipleship process or, you know, from evangelism to discipleship and the link or or the inclusion of having mentoring as part of that process. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. As you know, in this book, Church Leadership Essentials, I have a chapter on mentoring and I'm very passionate about mentoring. I think everybody ought to have a mentor and mentor somebody else. But, um, uh, I have guys in our church. I always like same sex mentoring, but, um, I have guys in our church that I pour into and that I meet with and that I disciple. And, um, um, they're guys that uh, didn't grow up in Sunday school. They didn't grow up le- learning all the stories of the Old Testament. They don't know who uh, Rahab is. They don't know who Elijah was. And so um, it's just teaching them stories of of the faith and explaining to them about Abraham and Moses, Moses and um, um David and things that happen in their life, and Joseph, and just just different stories that they didn't grow up learning about. And so uh, I just try to pour into them. I do a lot of uh, mentoring with guys. I think there's probably five that I'm meeting with right now, uh, which is about all I can handle uh, on top of my schedule right now. But um, if they, if you were to multiply me and have several people like myself in, in our church. That were to, that were to be mentoring at least one to two people, um, great things could happen. And, um, uh, and so I, I'm a big fan of mentoring. I, I'm very, very uh, up on mentoring.
0: Now, when you're when you say you do it with five guys, is that five guys all at once or five guys one-on-one mentoring? One-on-one. That's all. That's a huge time investment. And uh, yeah. I, I commend you for doing that because I do I know how busy you are, I know how busy most church leaders are, and to try to find the time to pour into five individual guys' lives, that's awesome. Yeah. So the only issue I had with your book, Greg, was the fact that you had to somehow intertwine some story about the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. (laughs) You couldn't help yourself, could you? No. But at least it was a discussion about what they did wrong with their coaching.
1: Yes. And they're still doing stuff wrong with their coaching. <laughs> well, that's exactly what I was going to ask you. So now that yeah. they
0: don't have Wade Phillips there and they have uh, – what's his name now? Jason Garrett. That's it, Jason Garrett. See, I'm not a Cowboys fan, so that's why I don't know exactly. But So are, are they any better off than they were? They're better off. I
1: still don't think they have the right coach, but they're better off.
0: Well, they're leading the division, but it's the weakest division in football, so uh, I guess it'll be an interesting journey for the last few games of the season. Yes. Well, to wrap it up, why don't you give everyone just a quick idea of where they can get a hold of the, the book and any other resources or connect with you, uh, you know, if they want to connect with you through social channels. Yeah. If you, uh, if you go
1: to gregatkinson.com and I think it's at the bottom of the screen here, um, you can, um, um, uh, on the, on the right side, there's an ad that says, check out Greg's latest book. And you can just click on that and it takes you directly to the link on Amazon to find the book. Uh, like I said, in about two to three weeks, there'll be a print version of the book, which if you want to have a, a copy on your library shelf and then, um, Um, you can find me at Greg Atkinson on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Greg Atkinson and you can find me, uh, on Google plus. I think it's, uh, Google plus, uh, slash Greg Atkinson. Um, it's my name on Google plus, but, um, um, anything Greg Atkinson, uh, you can find me or this guy who's the West coast chef, who's a famous chef in Seattle. Uh, who's also named Greg Atkinson, but one of us have come up in a search.
0: Perfect. Well, you've been very gracious with your time. I appreciate your insights, and I really hope you have a great holiday season. And we'll definitely be connecting in 2014. Great.
1: Thank you.